to another episode of the Browns Note Podcast. This is Ryan Burns coming to you from Dog Pound West in Orange County, California. You can find me at FTBL Sickness on Twitter. You can find the show at the Browns Note. My man, Brendan Leister, out there in the heart of Ohio. We're skipping right to it, man, because holy shit, what a day here in Brownstown. This uh, completely unprecedented. I'll stop talking. Welcome. Good to see you, buddy. Dude, what's up, man? <laughs> so excited right now. Like this... the Browns just just traded for Odell Beckham a little bit ago, and it's just it's amazing. It's huge. It's been a wild day. Um, we'll get to Beckham in a minute, but it's a, on the broader picture. It's been a wild couple of days, um, or a few days, I guess. By the time we've gotten this out, you know, the first big move was the Olivier Vernon trade. They traded Kevin Zeitler. We can talk about that. They made a couple of what I think are impact signings. Um, you know, they, they went out and got um, Sheldon Richardson out of Minnesota. He's been kind of all over the place, and there are reasons for that. But the bottom line at the end of the day is really talented interior defensive lineman. Um, yeah, the Beckham trade is going to be the big one. I was going to say they <laughs> re-signed Perriman, but obviously that has since uh, sort of been walked back, and you can understand how and why. Um, what am I missing? Yeah. Other than that, it was just like Carl Davis, Ray Ray Armstrong. It was just some guys that are huge like Super on the Bowl roster. moves. Carl Davis <laughs> yeah, and Ray Ray Armstrong. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. so the Beckham trade. Let's let's do just let's bathe in the Odell Beckham trade, because I, look, obviously anybody who was on social media of any kind or listening to the radio of any kind, you probably were giggling your ass off. If you're a Browns fan, which presumably listening to this, you most likely are. If not, you're a weirdo. Um, but just the reactions of everyone, uh, it, it was funny and it was a good time and it was finally, you know, for once, not even for once anymore, but it was almost like a confirming, a confirming blow to what used to be the Cleveland Browns. It's like, you know what it felt a little bit like? It's not, the Baker moment is still bigger, right? The Baker moment is still where the movie went from black and white to color, but Dorothy just got her shoes back. <laughs> yeah man it's just it's it's amazing i mean uh, i'm just excited that they went out and made this move i thought you know some people were content with the offense and how it looked last year and i've been trying to toot that horn for a while that you know going out and getting an explosive playmaker would just really have a chance to take this offense to the next level um, i know you and i are on the same page that we think the offensive line's good enough. I mean, clearly based on how they did in the second half of the last season and Corbett has to come in and play well, play at least solid. I don't think he needs to do as Zeitler did, but he needs to at least be solid. But I think offensively inserting Odell Beckham, I mean, it's a game changer for the offense in my opinion. And, you know, you look at what he did with Eli Manning and I think that 
there's no question that Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback at this point. So you put those two guys together and I think that their strengths match really well. So I just, I couldn't be more excited about the move and I'm really, I'm not worried about the cap stuff and, you know, people are getting into all that, but I think, you know, this is their window and they have to attack it aggressively. And that's, that's what they're doing right now with these moves. Well, and when you say this is their window, I think to me, that's exactly what Dorsey's telling everybody with all of these moves. It's not just the Beckham move. It's the, it's the conglomerate of moves. They all point to one conclusion. And that's that the general manager believes he can win the Super Bowl right now, right now, not in 2022, right now. That's what this is for. You don't go out and make these trades, the Olivier Vernon trade and the Odell Beckham trade and add the kind of salary you're adding at a veteran defensive tackle position, unless you're thinking to yourself, these moves propel me into an opportunity to maybe get me a ring. And you're doing it all right now because these moves have to come off the books a couple of years down the road once you have to start re-signing big guys like Miles Garrett, a year later like Baker Mayfield, who presumably will become the highest paid quarterback in the history of the NFL five years from now, one year after Mahomes does. And, I mean, that's where we're headed. And so if you're going to take advantage, like the Seahawks did, and like to a degree the Eagles did, of having a rookie, actually having your franchise quarterback on a rookie contract, you have to do this kind of thing. That's what the Rams did last year. I mean, it's, it's the playbook now. And so to see them executing it and doing so with gusto, that's the exciting part for me is the recognition of, yeah, we don't need to wait for next year on this. The opportunity, this is it. And look, do I realistically expect them to be in or win the Super Bowl in the year 2019? No, I guess I really don't. But for the first time since I was a boy, it wouldn't shock me. And so, yeah, I, that was, it was really fun today. I, just one thing after another. The Richardson thing, I, that was a hoot as far as I was concerned. I tweeted something last night. I said, you know, I'd, I'd had a glass or two of wine, and I said, I've had my red wine browns. I tweeted at them. I said, I'm prepared for you to improve my defensive line. I wake up with Sheldon Richardson. Fuck it. I tried it again. Consummate, I said to the Giants and Browns, and lo and behold, three hours later, we had a deal. So while I'm tweeting for wishes, <laughs> number one, I would uh, just everyone get this one down. I would like to be the sole beneficiary of the James and D. Haslam Family Trust. I assume there is such a document somewhere. Um, I would also like, let's see. No, I won't make my list here. I'll tweet it later. But, I mean, you get the point. I, I feel a little bit of, I'm just still pinching myself from the day because each move was, and, and really it does go back to the Vernon move because I liked the Vernon move. And I, you know, let, let's talk about that one for a second because the impact mm-hmm. is not, to be discarded. I mean, losing Zeitler, who was one of the best guards in the in the league last year, um, in front of a rookie quarterback, in front of a short rookie quarterback, you know, there's potential for problematic impact there. Um, but it, it, as you've said, it's not always critical to have five superstars across the line, and you can probably get by with a lot less than that. And when your quarterback's really good, you definitely can. And the fact of the matter is that the Browns could have given up three times as many hits over the last nine weeks, and they still would have given up fewer than the next closest team. So, you know, I hear you, but talk to me in a little more depth about that change. Yeah, so as far as that that's concerned, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to continue to get the ball out quickly. That's the expectation. They now have a receiver that's 
arguably the best in the league when it comes to beating man coverage and separating and beating press coverage. So he should be open on time when Mayfield's ready to throw the ball. He should be open. That's going to help other guys get open. Also, if teams are trying to double team OBJ and that's going to help, help Mayfield get the ball out quickly, like he did in the second half of the season. So I think that takes pressure off the offensive line, obviously, Mayfield showed really good pocket presence also as a rookie where he would make guys miss in the pocket, extend the play with his legs, get outside. Uh, you know, he made huge plays on scramble drills last year in those situations regularly. So he he's able to take pressure off the offensive line. You don't need, like you just said, like I've said many times, you know, you don't need five all pros in the offensive line. You just need solid players across the board that aren't going to absolutely lose you games. So I think they have that right now. I'm excited to see what they do with the new offensive line coach, Campen, uh, from the Packers. He, he clearly did a great job with the Packers over the years, developing later round picks and turning those into starters. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this group, seeing what they do in the draft also, because um, they do need depth on the offensive line and players that you know they could de- develop moving forward. Um, as far as... Vernon's concerned. I just think that that's, you know, a big time pass rusher that they've added Sheldon Richardson also. Um, but Vernon coming off the edge opposite Garrett, it's just, it's a threat that they haven't had. They haven't had a one, two punch rushing the passer like this that I can remember. Um, Vernon, I think he had not in your lifetime, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think he had the seventh highest, uh, overall grade amongst edge rushers for PFF this year. I think miles Garrett was number six. So they were right, right beside each other. Uh, they were very close in pass rush, pass rush grade as well. Um, I'm interested to see who plays on the the left versus the right. Um, I, I think Vernon's played just about his whole career on the right side, which is where Garrett's been playing. So that's over the left tackle. So it's the defensive defensive, right. I'm speaking on, um, I know that Garrett actually his pass rush productivity last year um, was like ridiculous last year when he would line up over right tackles. So that's something that I'm interested in. If they would move Garrett over to the defensive left side, put him over right tackles and keep burning it where he's comfortable at right end over left tackles. I think that that could be potentially devastating because teams still even though it's been shown that offensive tackles on each side should be proficient pass protectors. Um, even though that's been shown teams still typically put their best pass protector only at left tackle, even though the whole blind side argument is not really as uh, it's not really there's, it's kind of a mythical thing more so because in my opinion, you know, I coach quarterbacks and, you know, if your progression starts on the left, then your blind side all of a sudden is the right side. You're looking to your left. You can see that way. And all of a sudden the blind side is the right side. So I think the blind side changes based on the play, based on the pass protection, the progression. And you need good pass protectors on either side. But teams are still putting good pass protectors at left tackle. So if the Browns could maybe maybe think out, outside the box a little bit and move Garrett over there. Uh, I think they get get some great mismatches clearly against right tackles that aren't very good in pass protection. You mean like in Cincinnati all of a sudden? Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Oh, boy. I, I sure would not want to be Andy Dalton or <laughs> or Ben Roethlisberger or really Lamar Jackson right now. They're coming. They're coming for yeah. quarterbacks. The, 
I mean, Richardson and Garrett and Vernon and Avery, Ogunjobi. Yeah. You're going to create some problems now. I mean, yeah. hopefully they keep adding too to that I, interior rush. You you took the words right out of my mouth, and that's where I was going. Is I hope that there's still another addition or two, even you know, be it a free agent or a draft pick or whatever. Obviously, the draft is going to be a slightly different proposition. We'll talk about that just a little bit at the end here. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the philosophy seems simple enough, right? Have fresh waves of guys who pressure the quarterback, and I know that rings beautifully to your ears. Forget that stop the run stuff, right? Establish the pass, stop the pass, and that's how you're going to win ball games by and large in the, in the NFL in 2019 and, and beyond. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm trying to stay cohesive here, but I'm just too child giddy about this whole thing yeah. and, and totally having a fan moment where it's like, bro, we will be at these games in person together. Yep. I mean – I am a Cleveland Browns season ticket holder, which is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's <laughs> going to be the awesomest and most beautifully timed. I bought season tickets a month ago, and then all this happened. Yeah. I, I got mine right after the Jets game. As soon as I saw Mayfield in the regular season, I was like, yep, this is happening. <laughs> I had a good feeling after preseason, but as soon as I saw him against the Jets, I knew. I'm so. feeling like that re-up next year is going to be a little bit more spendy. <laughs> <laughs> probably Wait, we're gonna, we're gonna make a lot more money if we ever sell them though <laughs> yeah it's gonna be harder to do i don't know if i'm gonna want to sell as many of them i might have to make oh, some yeah. flights might have to make yeah, some i don't flights. know if i ever will honestly i will yeah. tell you this opening day i will be there i can't wait can't wait uh when i think about the impact on the offense um you know the things that beckham provides are so many it's just the possibilities are endless with the things you can do with this guy because of the things you're saying. Number one, he just he's going to defeat man coverage. The kinds of catches he makes, he's going to defeat double coverage and tight coverage. And that actually, that part kind of goes for Landry too. Those guys made a highlight reel in college together of impossible catches. I mean, they got Mettenberg, Mettenberger drafted, and clearly he should not have been. Um he got drafted pretty late, all things considered. But still, uh, you've got some guys that are going to make some stupid catches in some tight places, and they're going to draw a lot of attention. Look, I know Landry's not drawing attention per se, um, but you can't just let him wander around by, by himself. He knows how to do something with the ball once he's got it. And when you start thinking of the combination possibilities with an Njoku down the middle, with Callaway somewhere thrown in occasionally for some – stretch it every possible direction fun i i keep thinking about they're they're going to create a ton of problems for people just from a matchup perspective there you don't have a personnel grouping where the defense doesn't have to pick its poison i think is the way i would put it this is not the browns from any recent memory because they suddenly have explosive playmakers at all levels of the offense being driven by an elite quarter. Well, I'll, I won't get ahead of myself. Elite quarterback in the making, because I think the dude's good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the dude's good. He can sling it, and his, He's his really team good. follows him, and those things matter. And yeah. so I look at that offense and think, look, I know if I'm picking my poison, I'm going to let you beat me to death with seven-yard chunks of, of Nick Chubb. Yeah, that's exactly it. 
And you, you just, and I I'll guess say you thank force, you very much if I'm Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah. You just hope that they're throwing the ball short, that they're handing the ball off. Uh, another guy that wasn't even mentioned was Rashard Higgins, who I think they're going to try to sign, sign to a long, uh, long-term deal, according to Lane Atkins a little bit ago. He was saying they're trying to re-sign him, and that would be great because they need that steady possession receiver to go with those those two guys, Beckham and Landry. And then I think Callaway, obviously, you can't you just can't trust him based on his past, in my opinion. Yeah, so, not yet. Yeah, so you need that steady possession guy. And and Higgins showed that he can do that, and and he can also do more. I mean, he was good after the catch last year, good route runner. He can get open, catches the ball, good ball skills. Um, I'm excited about Richard Higgins. So, yeah, if you're a defensive coordinator, you definitely want the ball to be going to Chubb and I guess even Higgins and Landry because Beckham is terrifying. I think Najoku, long term, I think he's going to create huge problems for defenses because of his speed and his what he started to show as the year went on as far as box out skills, um, just going up and getting the ball. I mean, there were times where he was unguardable, especially in the red zone. They would put him outside, and that's the thing that you can do with him. I mean, this team could literally just play 11 personnel and run up and down the field on people, which is what I've been saying They that should be the goal. You just stay in 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. They have – Chubb, Johnson, Kareem Hunt, and I know Kareem Hunt is a shitty person, but let's let's just talk about football right now. I mean, he's a fucking yeah, weapon. We're not in the here to save game. the world right now. This is a football I mean, podcast. He's a weapon in the past game. Whenever he comes back, I mean, I've seen the guy run seam routes for the Chiefs, wheel routes. <laughs> he is a mismatch in the past game. He's got great route running skills for a running back. So once he gets back, you can run the ball with him or pass it to him. Nick Chubb improved in that area last year. Duke Johnson. I mean, he's basically a wide receiver that plays running back. So there's just weapons everywhere. Obviously they do need, I think they need to address tight end still just with something behind the joke. Cause I, I still like to valve but I don't trust him to stay healthy. That's the problem at this point. So right now, if you look at the depth chart, it's Najoku, DeValve, and then Pharaoh Brown, who we don't really know anything about. So they clearly need to bring in a tight end or two. But I think if you look at most of the positions on offense, as far as the skill players, it's it's about as talented as you could hope for. I'd still throw, if I was the GM, I would still throw some money at Fitzpatrick and ask him to be my backup because he was fantastic with Munkin last year at times. And I just think that's a good thing to have. I don't trust Drew Stanton to, uh, to keep the ship, keep the ship sailing, I guess. And, uh, you know, like someone said to me the other day, Oh, well the season's over. If Mayfield goes down, well, if you tell that to the 2017 Eagles, they don't win the Super Bowl, So it's a good thing that they had a decent backup. So, yeah, I think I'd just as soon win it with my starting quarterback, if that's all right with you. Yeah, of course. But I'd still like Fitzpatrick to back him up. I, I think that's the perfect guy. Yeah, I saw Doug Doug Farrar wanted to, wanted to sign uh, Blake Bortles, and I thought to myself, no, you know, I'll, I'll pass on that entirely. <laughs> I love Doug, but I'm going to skip that idea. I'd much rather have Fitzmagic. Dude. Especially for the beard. Dude. Odell Beckham. Yep. Touchdowns. Yeah. You need to ask for Earl Thomas tonight. <laughs> Football gods, if you could see fit. You have to at them. I, 
<laughs> to bestow upon us the presence and playmaking ball hawk skills of one Earl fucking Thomas. It would be most future appreciated. Hall of Famer. Yeah, future Canton bust resident. Yeah, I'm tripping. It's going to be really fun. Uh, I, I think it, about his the His grades are ridiculous. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, think I showed about, you. You did. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think the philosophical... I think the philosophical conclusions are so perfectly in line with things that we've been talking about on this podcast forever and that are not revolutionary, certainly. Obviously, find a quarterback, surround him with good weapons, and then build a defense that demolishes the other quarterback. This is not an original idea. And yet, it seemed for years as though the Cleveland Browns organization had scarcely <laughs> heard the notion and was wandering around in a forest full of mist like a blind gorilla. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And then I, I want to go back and give shout-out to Sashi Brown, shout-out to Paul D. Podesta, who's still in the building, by the way, because, like it or not, this kind of all starts with those two dudes, and mostly it's D. Podesta, if we're being real about it for me. But, look, you don't accidentally, suddenly put all of this together. Guess what year this would be? Right? Go count the years. What year is this? Year four. You tell me. You tell me, people. How's it look? Do you miss Carson Wentz? Do you miss Deshaun Watson? I don't. I might miss Pat Mahomes just a little bit. Uh. Just a little bit. (laughs) I, I (laughs) I miss Pat just a little bit. But all things considered, I'm willing to play him in the AFC title game every year for the next 15 years. Because I know I have a quarterback that has won that game before. Baker Mayfield and Pat Mahomes have done this before. We're going to see it for years. It's going to be so much fun. And yes, I'm reveling in it. And yes, the obnoxiousness starts here on the internet airwaves. I'm going to have to drive some obnoxiousness into you because it's just not your nature. I'm going to need you to be a little more boisterous. <laughs> I'm just so focused on the football shit all the time. It's just like I just keep I'm looking at this depth chart in front of me and I'm thinking they still need cover players. They do need cover <laughs> players. Let's talk about badly. It. Let's talk yeah. about it. I mean, yeah. look, you know, they were in on corners. They were talking to Roby. They were talking, I understand, to Steven Nelson. I would have liked that one. I was, a, I was bummed to see him end up in Pittsburgh, frankly. Good player. Um, but look, they have a couple of draft picks still. There will be presumably cover players available. Oh, yeah. And so we'll Free start. agency, too, they, they need to add. I mean, they're losing EJ Gaines, who I know he didn't play a ton, but he looked good when he did play, and you need a lot of those guys. You need good ones too. So, and the thing with that, I think I talked about it the last time we were on here, but you know, the really smart guys above me at PFF have found that coverage grade is not very stable year to year. So, you know, Terrence Mitchell, he played okay last year, but what if he plays like shit this year? What if Denzel Ward has a big fallback year like Marshawn Lattimore did? Just did. You know, Lattimore was great as a rookie. Last year, he was not so great. He was okay. So what if all of a sudden the corners aren't what they were last year and you're like, it's just, it's not a very stable thing. So that's why you need to constantly be adding cover players and making sure you have talented guys on the roster so that if one guy has a fallback, then you can insert someone else. And 
supplement it however if a guy gets injured, but you need at least, I mean, at least four to five. I would say even six, but teams don't always carry six, but I'd say five or six corners that are at least playable. And then they also obviously need depth of safety. I mean, right now, looking at it, it's Jermaine Whitehead and Tiggy Sanko are the backup safeties, it looks like. They only have four safeties on the roster with Randall, Kindred, and those two guys. So, I mean, I know that we we mentioned Earl Thomas. Maybe that's a starting option. And I think that he and Randall would fit really well together because I think you can play either guy deep. You can play either guy short. They'd both be really movable objects, and they can match up in man coverage with tight ends and even with slot receivers too. So that they would have all kinds of possibilities on the back end with those guys, but you need, you need depth in the, in the secondary. And right now they have next to none of that. So that's Earl, a Earl huge Thomas would be an enormous signing to me. I, I would be, I agree. It, it sounded earlier today. Like they were, you know, there was a, there was a report. We'll see how legit it is, but if they Lane were, said, sounds like they're pretty interested. There's something, there's something under it to be sure. I don't know how far along it is or whatever, but I mean, that would be a coup. If you added that to the group they've already got, I mean, you got to be kidding me with an offseason. Uh, you can't imagine, or at least I can't, imagine a more successful or more on-paper impactful one. You know, that they haven't gone out there and just thrown stupid money at any one of them. I think, to me, the Sheldon Richardson pickup, that that spot was as big a need as they had, and they filled it with as instantly impactful a player as could possibly have been available. And... Could they have maybe lucked into one of the best couple in the draft? Yeah. I don't know if that guy's Sheldon Richardson tomorrow. Well, I, and they got o, OBJ for that pick. I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah. on the whole, I'll it's, take not that. Even, it's not even a discussion. And so, yeah. you know, I just I look at I look at the operation on the whole and it it feels like a really good team. I do hope they can stay healthy through all the offseason stuff and the preseason stuff. Um, because come that first weekend in September I'm looking forward to that 1 1 p.m. kick dude and maybe not 1 p.m. maybe a 5 p.m. I don't think it will be I think it might be the next day or that night yeah now that you're now that we know what the team is going to look like a little bit I think they're probably going to play some prime time week one a lot yeah yeah and especially week one I think wow someone mentioned earlier them playing the Patriots on Sunday night football week one I'm here for it I think it was Ben Volan, the guy that's like a New England beat reporter. He used to be a Miami beat reporter, yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, that'd be a fun game. I forget which – is that an away game or a home game? I think it's a home game. That would be crazy. I feel mm. like it should be the Jets. Nah, it, might be a, it might be an away game, actually. We're at the Jets this year. I feel like that might be the one. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mayfield, Darnold. Beckham, Bell. That feels like a game that's going to happen on a primetime night. Think so? Yeah. Jets and Browns for sure. Not, I'd put money I'm not on that sure one. With Jets though, I just don't I'd know. If people on, are going to look. Dude, I, I'm not sure if that's a, that's just market that economics, be. buddy. That's just TV eyes. New York gets those games. That game will be a prime timer. I will. I will lay a six pack of beers on that. Of your choice. Okay, you're on. Nice. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, home. Yeah, they're at they're at the Jets and they're at the Patriots. 
Mm-hmm. So either one of those games. Yeah, I could see both of those being primetime games. I wanted to read a couple of fun tweets. Warren Sharp had a great one when they, in reacting to the trade, it says, Browns finally do what Greg Williams tried to do for so long and send Jabril Peppers to the moon. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> he also had some great stats on sort of Baker and Odell and the music that they will likely make on the slant route. So check, check Warren out. You know, there, was, there were all kinds of great reactions to it. I mean, Browns fans largely uh, disbelief and joy. Um, and Giants fans disbelief and despair. And AFC North fans, a uh, lot of deflection. A lot of deflection, I have to say. And, <laughs> and plenty of I'm happy for you guys, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I we do deserve appreciate a lot of those. that. I do appreciate those, but just know that it will not save you from the championship caliber, <laughs> caliber obnoxiousness that is coming your way. And it, it will be indeed a tsunami of it. Um, and if Brendan isn't willing to do it, I'm going to do his share. So Sounds good, man. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, I don't have anything intelligent to say beyond that. I think uh, we were going to talk just briefly about sort of, you know, given all these moves and the way you look at a team over the arc of an offseason, how does this, maybe it doesn't change it per se, but how does it alter your perception kind of of what the draft means? Obviously, the first round pick is gone, and so that's a pretty big deal. But they're still sitting there with a handful of usable and potentially really good mid-round picks. And I'm thinking we talked about the coverage and the offensive line depth. I guess I think those two things are the really obvious areas, but tell me what else you see. Yeah, definitely linebacker because I, I have huge questions about Christian Kirksey. Like when I look at the depth chart, it's that's, he's actually the starter that I probably feel the worst about right now. He just played really poorly the past two years. Hopefully now that Craig Williams and, Blake Williams, his former position coach, now that they've moved on, hopefully he gets back to playing like he did early in his career. But, I mean, he's got such a big contract for um, for an inside linebacker that's play, played the way that he has recently. And uh, I think that was probably t- something that was tough when they were pursuing these linebackers in free agency because you only play two on the field at once most of the time. So you're looking for someone to pair with Schobert. But then with Kirksey, like, it's tough to keep that contract on the bench. So it seems to me like when they're in nickel, he's probably going to have to be on the field. Um, but in an ideal world, maybe you find a, a guy on day two or day three of the draft that surprises you, and, and they can come in and play a decent role in nickel early on and you know take some of those snaps away from Kirksey if he's not playing well. But they absolutely need linebacker depth. I mean, Ray Ray Armstrong – Dewan Hines and Xavier Woodson Luster are the names uh, at Will and Mike that I see behind Schobert and Kirksey. And then the only real like Sam, we all know that he's a, a sub pass rusher also, but Jannard Avery. I mean, I think if, if they're in like a four, three base against like two run at two backs and a tight end personnel grouping, 21 personnel, I think Jannard Avery as of right now will have to be a Sam, which that's an adjustment for him after playing almost always on the edge last year. He didn't play a ton off the ball. Um, but yeah, uh, heading into the draft philosoph- philosophically, I think the thing that's going to be way different from past years is just that rookies aren't going to be forced into starting roles. Um, you look at this team right now and pretty much every spot has a guy that looks like they're a starter on paper at least. I mean, even Kirksey, who I mentioned, I have questions about him, but on paper he is probably the starter at will. So 
every spot has a starter except strong safety, which I think I think the safety position is going to get addressed probably tomorrow, I'm assuming. Um, but, yeah, heading into the draft, I think what's going to be cool is we're going to – the Browns are going to draft guys, and they're going to get to bring them along slowly in roles that suit their skills, and they're going to get to ask them to do what they do well. That sounds and, like the Steelers. <laughs> My God. Are we, are, are we the are we the Steelers? Because the Steelers appear to be disassembling themselves. <laughs> I mean, look, let me let me put some cold water on that. I actually fully expect the Steelers to be a ten win team again and a problem for everybody they come across because they're the freaking Steelers. But I'm not gonna miss Antonio Brown or Jesse James or you know Le'Veon Bell. We didn't miss him this year, and Baltimore. Lost a lot of dudes. Real Baltimore dudes. is really good at doing what I was just talking about. For sure. They, but they guys always are like guys rushed forward right now. Yeah. They don't have that guy for C.J. Mosley, in my opinion. I don't know. They I may paid have enough attention guy. to the guys they've drafted. Because what they do is they always they let these free agents leave, and then they just recycle the comp picks. Not like they usually get more the comp really great 25-year-old middle linebackers. Not yeah. usually. And And... I was surprised they let Zadarius go. So I, I just, you know, I don't. that team doesn't scare me right now. I don't think they can score with the Browns on a consistent basis. I think Not Lamar can create problems in a, in a game situation. And so you better have a plan for that offense. And I bet you that that offense has some wrinkles that people are not ready for come next season. They'll win games yep. because people aren't ready to deal with Lamar. I believe that. But I don't know if that works for years. It's going to be 14 personnel, Ryan. One, one back, <laughs> they do, four tight ends. They end. do love them a tight end in Baltimore. <laughs> it's the Ozzie Newsome uh, memorial plan. Yeah. That's a lot of gaps to defend, man. Like, you get a DC up on the board against that, that's a pain in the ass. It for sure is. <laughs> and especially when your personnel is not built for it, right? Your personnel is built for normalcy. Oh. Yeah. Um, we're talking about coverage, and they're building for, like, I don't know, 1920s football. But just on paper, dude, sidebar, Odell Beckham <laughs> on the Browns. It's amazing. But just on paper, looking at the roster, uh, I mean, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. This is a playoff team. This team needs to be in the playoffs. I agree with that. Yeah, that's, no, that's not – that. if this team misses the playoffs – and I can't even imagine the development that would change my thinking on this short of a catastrophic injury to somebody critical. It's injuries. That's it. But assuming general, normal injury trends, and what this team needs to be in the playoffs. And until further notice, this team needs to run away with this division. Yep. That's my feeling on it, which I assure you I have never said about the Cleveland Browns since the return. <laughs> I I've promise. never heard it. I promise I've oh. never said that. I'm not some homer. I'm I'm sitting here stunned that I'm saying this. And the only reason I'm not that stunned goes back to Paul D. Podesta. The plan worked. The plan worked. The process worked. Some of y'all didn't trust it, and some of y'all still won't even believe now that this is all the result of the process. And to that I say, paha. Dorsey executed it. Team, it's a team, you know. Teamwork. You can put a, you know, when you go to Lambeau. It's both. I'll tell you, Brendan, you go to Lambeau Field, 
in Green Bay, Wisconsin, football mecca to some, and you stand out in front of their atrium, really nice, newly appointed area in the stadium, and out in front of that stadium, there are two enormous statues. One of Curly Lambeau and one of Vince Lombard. And they appear to be sort of looking at each other and sharing philosophical thoughts about the building of their football team. I'm prepared to see Sashi and John. <laughs> Statues outside of the new <laughs> Cleveland Browns downtown dome stadium, Paul D. Podesta Field. I'm prepared. <laughs> These are the things I'm prepared to see. On Mayfield Way? No. We will be renaming the city of Cleveland Mayfield, Ohio. <laughs> that's after, already a thing. After 12 straight Super Bowl titles. I think that's Matt Waldman's hometown. It's Mayfield, Ohio? Outside, yeah, well, like you did mention... Outside the city. He did mention that, and I'll tell you, I hope Matt is happy because he has earned this one. Um, yeah, it's going to be a wild year, man. It's going to be a wild year. I'm really looking forward to the draft now. I'm going to get, uh, you know, I usually do the annual draft weekend with, with some buddies out here, and it's kind of getting botched up this year because of different vacations and because one of them's the send dog is moving from Southern California all the way to Nashville. And so he will probably already be in process with that. And so it's going to be a little different this year. You know what will be extremely different? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> hey, Burns, what are they going to do with I don't care? Don't care. No first-round pick? I don't give a fuck. Not one tiny little one. Baker Mayfield. Miles Garrett. Odell Beckham. Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward. Premier positions. Mm. They're coming. They're coming. Vernon Richardson. That's like we were talking about the roster a minute ago and we were talking about playoffs and it's easy to caught up, get caught up with the depth, but I think the bigger focus should be on the talent, like the top line talent at the, the premier positions, the breadth. Yeah. yeah. So Mayfield, a quarterback, obviously Beckham. I know people can act like receiver doesn't matter, but okay. You can use anecdotal bullshit evidence about how receivers don't win Super Bowls and all this stuff, even though Julio Jones was up 28 to three in the Super Bowl and Jerry Rice you know, won these, some Super Bowls. Yeah. And yeah. And Michael Thomas was a fluke call away from going to a Super Bowl and almost winning it. And like, we can go down the list, but wide receivers, Tom Brady's modern... best season was with two superstar wide receivers. And he has the greatest tight end of all time. Who is a big guy that catches the ball, which is a receiver. Yep. Yep. And, but anyway, that is a premier position. Uh, the most valuable non-quarterback in the NFL this year by war wins above replacement was DeAndre Hopkins. Love those that. baseball stats, buddy. <laughs> Us and Paul D. Podesta with the war stats. Love them. Love them. So anyway, yes, receiver is, is a premier position in the modern game. It is. And guys like Odell Beckham really impact the game. Uh, if you don't understand how, go watch his highlights. You'll understand how. Denzel Ward, cornerback. We already talked about coverage. Coverage is the most, it's actually by the numbers, the second most impactful 
uh, part of football. It's actually more impactful than pass rush because you've got to cover early in the down to allow your pass rush to even get home. Because if you get beat within 2.5 seconds, then your rush doesn't even have a chance to get to the quarterback and the ball's already out of the quarterback's hands. So Denzel Ward at cornerback. And then obviously pass rush is really important. And the Browns have Richardson, Vernon, Avery, and of course, Miles Garrett. And hopefully they continue to add to that, especially interior, because I haven't really said this like in a public setting. You know, I don't tweet out some of these takes all the time because I know that a lot of people are going to all of a sudden come at me about Ooh, it. Are we breaking with conventional wisdom right now? Yeah, Ogunjobi is not a great pass rusher by any means. He's an, uh, He penetrates from time to time. You know, he played a ton of... <laughs> played a ton of snaps last year that's one problem i think he was the leader or second amongst defensive tackles last year but he got hurt too yeah Yeah. but yeah i mean when it comes to uh when it comes to like their sub package i don't love him at one technique i would much prefer like another interior rusher to come in there and and for them to be able to play four just freaky explosive dudes up front take ogunjobi out on those pass downs I mean, he's a great run, like three down nose tackle. But all I'm saying is that if it's an obvious pass down, third and 12, from what I've seen, he, he's not as explosive. He doesn't win quickly. He doesn't defeat blocks the way that you want your your sub package nose to, to do it. Well, and so if they were going to keep Ogba, which for the moment they are, um, and they were thinking about moving him inside, does he fill that a little bit more aptly on obvious passing downs, for example? Well, the the thing is... <laughs> that doesn't actually, sound enthusiastic yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not, because he actually played inside last year more than he played on the edge. Um, I was looking at it today. He played 300-some snaps inside, and then he played 200-some on the edge, I believe, or over that. So he actually played inside a lot last year, and he was even worse inside than he was outside. He just looks like a fish out of water when he's playing inside. And I know that people, I even expected him to be able to rush from inside, but he uh, he had a lot of trouble there. He didn't hold up great in the run game either. So, so what you're telling me is that Emmanuel Ogba is effectively useless, <laughs> especially as an interior player. In that 2017, sucks. I like the guy. That bums me out. Yeah. He was really good early in the season in 2017, as far as run defense and creating tackles for a loss and tackles around the line of scrimmage. But as far as a pass rusher, he has never come along. There's just not a lot of. Um, there's not a lot of twitchiness to his game. I think that's part of his problem. He's just not the type of guy that's going to defeat blocks consistently and turn the corner and get to the quarterback. So yeah, I personally, I would trade him for any type of player with potential at a, at a position that the Browns need, or I would trade him for like a fourth round pick. Even I would be interested in making that type of deal because in my opinion, he's going to leave in a year. And they're not going to get anything for him because they're going to be too active in free agency to get get a compensatory pick. Yeah, that sounds about right. And and his name was at least among those that, if you have any kind of connection to people who know things that know things, um, you know, his name was floated about this week as potentially tradable. And so you'd have to keep your eye on that for the next several days as well, I would think. Um, you know, the Browns might be looking to recoup one of those picks that they gave up in the Beckham deal, for example, obviously not the first rounder, but I could see somebody maybe giving up a three for him if they were really looking for it. Um, 
you know, maybe not. But like you say, a four, that's that's not a nothing pick. They got guys like Avery and Callaway and picks like that. Right. So, um, Sobert. I got Sobert in the fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Yeah. Odell I'm excited Beckham. to see what they do. But, yes, I'm very excited about Odell Beckham. What would be <laughs> – if I'm going to make you offensive coordinator for a day, and you're, you think your favorite – you would be in 11 as often as possible is what you're saying with this group. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to mix in some other personnel groups. But I think ideal world, you could go multiple tempos, move guys around, go any formation you want basically and use – those guys, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Gonna Especially be fun. with the way the tight end position looks right now. I mean, I mean they, they have to add a guy or two to, to go 12 or 13 personnel much because, like I said before, I like DeValve, but I don't necessarily trust him to get through camp healthy. Yeah. If he I, does, I'm excited because I want him to be a good player. I mean, he's talented. He can run, and, and he's shown some good things. Yeah, there are a few guys in that. I look forward to seeing what they look like if they're on our roster category. Um, Duke being one of them, DeValve being another one. For the moment, until it gets done, Higgins is another one. Um, and and like you say, even if DeValve is on the roster, they need more at tight end because they've released Daniel Fells, who or Darren Fells. I always forget which one's Darren, which, um, which is disrespectful. Sorry, Darren. Um, but I actually thought he contributed nicely he made a couple of really nice plays in the end zone I mean for a guy who didn't catch many balls he turned enough of them into touchdowns to be impactful and and he made that he made the big balls play right that's important that's an important piece of Brown's lore you should know that he caught the touchdown that caused Baker to drop and so you know I'm looking forward to a lot of moments like that 27 touchdowns with relatively lesser receiving options than he will have going forward. Um, much lesser. Much lesser. If Beckham yes. stays healthy, that's it's a problem for everybody. Yeah. With what they have right now, the ideal personnel grouping is is 11, and, and you just treat it like the Rams do. The Rams pretty much live in 11. They e- don't get out of there much at all. guys in and out. Yeah, they just stay in 11. Yeah, they like rotate tight ends and then they'll rotate, you know, fourth, third receiver a little bit. But for the most part, it's the same guys or the same positions most of the time. But I know like last year, yeah, the Browns did go like 13 personnel some and they they would take those play action deep shots to Perriman, you know, like that does have value, especially when you have someone like Beckham. So they need more tight ends so they can do that sometimes as a change up. But I think, I think we're going to see their 11 personnel, especially the way things look right now. I mean, I expect them to bring back Higgins. So I think their 11 personnel will jump up. They were already in it around 60% of the time, but I think it'll jump up to around 65 to 70%. I know Munkin last year with Tampa Bay, he was in 11 personnel about 67% of the time. But the Rams, I mean, they're in it, I think, over 90, over 95. Wow. Yeah, that'll be interesting it's, to see. And I, I mean, mean, it's simple. You build a lot of chemistry, like camaraderie that way. If your guys are just always on the field and they learn, like, how to run all the – like, they don't even run a ton of plays either. They just have a ton of formations out of one personnel grouping. So they know how to line up in different spots. So, it's and that's keeping it simple to a certain degree. Yeah. Right. 
and they have all these motions and formations, but they run very few plays and then they have very few formation or personnel groupings. So all the players can move to the different receiver spots. They can, you know, they have tight ends that move around and running backs, even you know, Gurley moves outside sometimes as a receiver also, and the Browns can do that. So I think right now that's the way that it looks best, but hopefully they continue to add like at tight end. Yeah. It's a lot of window dressing. And I'm, I'm kind of curious on the other side of the ball to see how that all comes together because, I mean, I, I think it's easy to look at a year's worth of Steve Wilkes in Arizona and a year's worth of Steve Wilkes coordinating a defense in Carolina and, you know, make some deductions and think you know something about what Steve Wilkes intends to do in Cleveland. And I think that's probably a fool's errand and we ought to just wait and see. You know, there there's different personnel here than there were in any of those places. And, you know, what a coach does with – a given personnel to me, um, if it's the same thing regardless of personnel, you've already lost me on that coach. So I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see what Wilkes does with a talented and interesting group that sounds like it might still gain another body or two. And and frankly, that to me will be a. I'm just kind of kind of wait and be surprised. I'm not going to do too much analysis and try and figure it out because, I I would assume that a coach who expected to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals today as of just a few months ago, probably hasn't given – I mean, by now he has. But the day he got hired, I promise you, Steve Wilkes had not given the Cleveland Browns defense and what he would do with it sufficient thought to be able to tell you what his defense is going to be on week one. That just didn't happen. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops. I mean, this is a young coach who managed to make his way all the way to being hired as a head coach, which means – he was at least well thought of and hardworking and creative. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yep. Um, I like I like what I hear at every step from Freddie Kitchens about his belief in people and individuals and all the alignment of individuals with like, you know, philosophies and work ethics and goals. And I think they've done that on both sides of the ball, you know, if you look at it, uh, there was, you said Sean O'Hare was making the point, and I think it made a lot of sense to me too, which is um, Baker and Landry and Beckham, these guys all speak the same language. Like there's a certain alphaness and a certain competitive respect and a certain expectation that these guys meet for each other. And I mean, the, those three dudes have spent time together already. Like, they worked out together last offseason. Their social media – like, I don't know if you remember when the Browns played the Giants, I think, last preseason. Beckham and Mayfield were already, like, fast buddies at that point. And there were hugs on the field, the whole deal. I remember tweeting a picture of it. I was like, oh, let's make this happen. And here we are today. It's a great day. Yes, it is. It's a great day. All right, buddy. That's all I got for the yeah, people. Man. You got anything last? Um, I think on Wilkes, just uh, like you made the point about people looking at his personnel usage in the past and stuff. I think something people have not given enough thought to is, you know, people say, oh, he used three linebackers all the time in Carolina. Well, one of those linebackers was Shaq Thompson, who, you know, he played safety in college some. He's a linebacker safety hybrid. So, Okay, so, yeah, that's cool that he's listed as a linebacker, but he can probably do a lot of DB-like stuff, so that's why they used him in that hybrid-type role. 
And then you look at what he did in Arizona, and I believe he was in nickel over 90% of the time. Well, the reason for that is he didn't have as many good linebackers. He had more good DBs, so he wanted to have his best players on the field. And like you said, I don't think any coach, like any defensive coach especially, should not be like, oh, well, I just do this. I like to use a lot of linebackers or whatever. It should be all about getting your best 11 players on the field for the situation. So, you know, if, if you're expecting run and the team's in a heavy personnel grouping, then you need your best 11 players to defend the run in that personnel grouping. If you're expecting pass, if it's third and 12, you want all your best pass rushing defensive linemen in, and you want seven guys in the back end that can cover because they're probably going to pass the ball. So um, that's what I'm hoping for with Wilkes. I hope that he, I mean, I think that he understands that just based on looking at what he did in those places. I think he did adapt to what he had. And in Carolina, another thing is he didn't have a lot of good DBs either. If you look at who was on that roster that year, he wasn't dealing with anything great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, I just think if once, if you give a DC enough talent, more often than not, I think they'll make it work. And, uh, I think that's, that's what we have to hope for with Cleveland. Well, Greg more or less made it work at times, right? I mean, yeah. or at least stayed out of the way or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, you you give him enough talent, look at what he did with the Saints. I mean, look right. at that. They won a Super Bowl. Right. True enough. True enough. That's Brendan Leister, folks. You can find him at Brendan Leister on the Twitter machine. You can find the podcast at The Browns Note. You can find me, Ryan Burns, at FTBL Sickness. That's football sickness. Dude, I got to tell you, I'm I'm like spent. This day, today was, you're probably exhausted because it's got to be well past one o'clock out there, but it, I mean, 220, 220, real good. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, I was excited when they got Sheldon Richardson, like legitimately thought that's a big time NFL player at a position. They desperately needed one and it makes them infinitely more dangerous because you can't just throw blockers at miles and in recent days at Vernon. Well, now you have real problems on your hands, real yeah. problems, because not only do you have to worry about all that, you have to keep up. Yes. You got to keep up now because we're scoring. The bar is at 40. Get there or better. <laughs> I like touchdowns. I love touchdowns. <laughs> I'll tell you again, Alexa, I love touchdowns. That's right. <laughs> Till next time, people. Go Browns. Woof. Woof.